I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The election manifestos are hot off the press, but will they leave you hot under the collar about taxes on property? The Tories plan an early sale of government stakes in the banks. But what does that mean for existing shareholders in Lloyds and RBS? And as the euro exchange rate bounces around like a beach ball, what can holidaymakers and investors do to get a better deal? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Tanya Poli. Hello. Steve Lodge. Hello. And Alice Ross. Hello. And our special studio guest, Justin Urquhart-Stewart, Director of Seven Investment management. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, the three main parties launched their election manifestos amid much pomp and platitude. They promise a fairer, better, and what was the third one? Oh yes, another fairer Britain. Sounds tremendous, doesn't it? But how fair will they be for property buyers paying stamp duty, for property owners in mansions, or families inheriting properties from relatives? To find out, we gave Tanya the unenviable task of trawling through the Labour, Conservative and Lib Dem tomes, engaging the impact. So, Tanya, let's let's start, first of all, with stamp duty. Is there much difference between the parties on this? Not really, to be honest. I guess um, we obviously already know about Labour's um, decision to, well create a stamp duty holiday for those buying properties under the value of 250000 I mean, at the time, obviously, there was a the whole thing that, that they actually need that policy from the Conservatives. So, um, obviously, nonetheless, in the Conservatives' manifesto, they've said that they will permanently raise that stamp duty threshold um, to £250,000. So, not a holiday. It's a not a holiday. Permanent it's a permanent vacation. <laughs> yeah. But um, there doesn't seem to be any suggestion that they would take away the, the qualification of it having to be a first-time buyer. So, they haven't actually kind of said, oh, you know, it would be open to everyone. Um, they still kept the first-time buyer um, you know, restriction in place. They haven't actually said anything in the manifesto about the 5% stamp duty hike for those with um, properties over 1 million. Um, but I think at the time of the um, budget, they kind of said they probably would keep that in place. But they haven't really sort of confirmed that in the manifesto. And really, um, the Lib Dems haven't actually said anything about stamp duty other than the fact that they would um, really crack down on stamp duty um, tax avoidance. And they sort of hope to kind of actually um, raise quite a lot of money um, from actually really cracking down on that kind of side of things. I suppose the one thing the Lib Dems have said uh, is that they would introduce a so-called mansion tax on the owners of uh, very uh, valuable properties. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any more detail on how this would actually work? Well, it's a um, kind of mansion tax, which basically means um, they would charge 1% um, on a yearly basis on properties worth over £2 million. 
Um, they haven't provided that much more detail in the manifesto. They've just kind of um, sort of restated that that's their position. Um, from what people say, it will be obviously a yearly um, tax charge. Um, I think Savills did some kind of calculation. They were saying a property worth five million would have to pay around forty thousand pounds a year as a result of that mansion tax. So it's actually it's quite a substantial tax. It's called a wealth tax, isn't it, Tanya? Isn't this why Britain isn't in Europe? I mean, they have these wealth taxes on property in, in Europe, but we, we don't have them here, do we? No, but it's something, obviously, the Lib Dems are keen to bring in. I mean, they obviously have had to backtrack because originally they said they were going to do a 0.5% tax on properties worth over 1 million. And I think that caused a bit of kind of um, sort of, you know, criticism and outrage from even people in their own party. All those um, liberals in Richmond. Well, <laughs> well Vin- Vince Cable will be paying it himself. Potentially. Most likely, yes. That's why they probably uh, they scrapped it. Yeah. Just very quickly, um, inheritance tax. Uh, this is an area where uh, the Tories have had a policy for some years. What are the other parties saying about it? Well, we know Labour's position, which um, they announced in the budget they would be um, maintaining their threshold at 325000 for further four years. Um, they've obviously restated that in their manifesto. Um, uh, with Lib Dems, they actually haven't said anything at all about inheritance tax, so um, it obviously isn't one of their main sort of manifesto commitments that they're sort of putting out there. Um, and Conservatives are sticking with their um, you know new threshold of one million, um, but there has been a lot of talk about whether actually it, how important a commitment that actually is, because a lot of people are saying they probably won't bring it in if they come to you know if they come to government, they probably won't bring it in in their first budget. So really. Who knows when it will actually come in? Yes, is it a policy or is it an aspiration? We'll have to wait and see. Well, thanks very much for that, uh, Tanya. And for a full analysis of the election dividing lines, you can read the first of a three-part series on the main party's policies, starting with property taxes in FT Money with this weekend's FT. And next week, we'll move on to pensions policies. Still to come on the show, how can investors, homeowners or travellers in Europe protect themselves from currency fluctuations? First, though, bank shares. Earlier this week, it was reported that a Conservative government would aim for an initial sale of stakes in the state-owned banks as early as next year. Commentators noted that Lloyd's share price has already recovered sufficiently for the Treasury to sell its 41% stake at a profit. Lloyd's shares are currently trading just above the average price of 63.2 pence paid by the government. But if such a big sell-off is anticipated, what will happen to the share price in the interim and what should existing shareholders do? Now, Steve, I think you hold... Lloyd's shares, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Uh, what do you think? Well, they're worth rather less than they used to be, of course, Matthew. Um, well, I think there's an argument for selling in strength. Lloyd's shares have uh, recovered something like they've had a very good run, up about 40% since their low this spring. Um, and of course, remember that rights issue at the turn of the year? People have actually made money on that rights issue. But generally, brokers are saying, hang on, you know, your rights, an early sell off would mean um, some potential. Uh, a depressant effect on the share price and would appear to cap the upside. But at the moment, the market's extremely buoyant and bank shares, of course, do well in in markets. Um, Justin, is that your view on this? It is rather, because actually bear in mind what's happening with the banks. Inside these banks, there are very, very profitable operations going on. And of course, they've had this direction from the government not to help the rest of the country, heaven forfend as they should be doing that, but actually to get profitable, which is rather unfortunate because we're not seeing enough bank lending going on at the moment. 
What it means, though, is that actually banks have been increasing their margins very significantly indeed. On their new business. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what they're now going through, and you can see this at Lloyd's, is they're rushing through all through those terrible debts that they've taken on from HBOS, tearing out all the really nasty stuff. And they'll put that and write that off. But what they've got left is going to be a very profitable clearing business indeed. And so that'll be coming through. So there's a balance here. The bad news is huge write-offs. Good news is great profitable ongoing business. So this is actually going to continue. I would argue very vociferously against the Tories actually selling off these things. We came to the riding, riding to the rescue of these banks. We should hang on to these businesses for the time being, and so the government can make shed loads of profit in a few years' time. No reason why we should give it away quite yet. But that's for long term. I mean, from a private investor side, of course, that view suggests they should hang on for the long term. But in the meantime, they're not going to get dividends till 2012, are they, with either Lloyd's or RBS, if they hold RBS? If you've held them for several years and you've been through the pain, now you're going to start seeing a little bit more gain. Serious pain, of course. You're, you're down pain. more than 90% still yes. on HBOS. So, and there's not a lot you can actually do about that. You, you can either just crystallise that, uh, that pain or actually go on to and see a bit more a positive move. If you've bought during the weaker time, particularly in the rice issue, then things are starting to improve. So on the way up, I would actually stay with it, even if they do sell it off. No, these are core businesses. What I do want to see is some actual proper action taken by our shareholder known as the government to restructure both RBS and Lloyds. That way we get a proper functioning banking system, and that'll help the economy throughout. Well, that's the other point, isn't it? There's this fear of greater regulation, fairly undefined in many cases, or you know, it's not entirely clear what it would result in, but the suggestion being that higher capital requirements, more regulation means poorer returns from those businesses. I mean, is that a big threat, do you think? It is a threat, but it's primarily a threat to the investment banks, not really so much to the uh, utility banks. Now, RBS has obviously got an investment bank side to it, but primarily we're talking about the utility side here, and they're actually going to be still seeing some significant growth coming through at good margins as well. But I say the downside is going to be how much do they have to write off? And Lloyd's do have very large sums to write off. Whether they have to come back for more capital support remains to be seen, though. So if you've got all three, which many people do, uh, uh, three being Barclays, of course, which you're talking about investment banks, uh, you know, if you'd like the UK Goldman's, uh, Lloyd's and RBS, which one of those would you look to sell? Which one of those would you look to hold? Barclays has done phenomenally well. Uh, Up 600%. Up 600%. And its utility side has been fine. But of course, they made large amounts of money on their investment banking side. And the trouble with Barclays Capital is, well, look at the report McCants. You have no idea what's going on inside there at all. So if you're sitting on a nice profit from that one, bank it. Uh, With regard to Lloyd's and with regard to RBS, both of those are still going to be in their recovery phase. So I suspect they're in a position where we'll see more gains out of that. I can't believe they're going to sell these off too quickly yet. They're going to want to consolidate some more of that profit. So you've been through the, uh, the pain, get a bit more gain. Thank you both for your views on all three of those bank stocks. And if you'd like to know more about the effect of a bank stake sell-off, you can look out for Steve's article in FT Money this weekend and online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, exchange rates. The sterling euro exchange rate has been fluctuating daily as hopes and fears over an emergency loan deal for Greece have ebbed and flowed. Earlier this week, the euro rebounded against other currencies when eurozone officials said that they had agreed the terms on loans that will help Greece ease its debt crisis. So what does this mean for anyone holding euro assets or buying euro spending money in the coming months? Alice, uh, a stronger euro should be good for anyone who's already got European assets, shouldn't it? 
uh, in theory, yes, a stronger euro should be uh, should be good. Um, but one of the problems that we've seen this week is that despite the rebound in the euro, things are still looking really, really ropey for the euro. And a lot of people feel that the euro is going to continue to weaken. And in fact, what people have been saying is that there's this kind of um, standoff in the markets at the moment. Nobody knows what to do about their euro or their sterling because, of course, how strong the euro is has, has a lot to do with how strong sterling is. So you're looking at both what's happening in the eurozone and our country. And the problem we have with sterling at the moment is basically the election and nobody quite knows what's going to happen. And if there's a hung parliament, um, that could cause sterling to weaken further. So it's a big problem. And apparently uh, there's, there is this standoff. People aren't buying or selling anything at the moment. Everyone's just waiting to see what's going to happen. And is there anything that's... Um let's say, an investor in a European fund, European equities, uh, could do or should do to, to hedge against future fluctuations? Or is it a case of just having to ride out the uncertainty for another few months? Well, one thing you could do, I mean, uh, European... Um, funds aren't that loved at the moment. They've kind of fallen out of favour. And the general advice with asset classes that have fallen out of favour is that maybe you should consider buying, uh, you know, at a moment of weakness, because then that could mean that you'd see a much better uplift in in uh, your investments. But Justin, you were going to add something. Well, certainly here, when you compare euro and sterling, of course, sterling is still going to have some considerable difficulty. We're being slightly smug over our debt position at the moment and looking at the Greeks saying, ah, they've got a problem. Actually, we've got a just as big a problem, if not worse. Um, and of course, the the bad news is all in the euro. Sterling and euro are having an ugly sisters competition at the moment. And at the moment, we're looking a little bit prettier. We shouldn't do. We should be looking a lot more watier, I suspect, over the next few months. So actually, euro investments, bear in mind it's really dominated by the northern European countries, not the weaker southern ones, are actually going to benefit more. So I think there's actually a better opportunity of actually buying European assets, as I think in comparison to sterling, the euro may end up being stronger. And that's going to be good for anyone who owns a property in Europe. And let's say you were looking to to sell your villa in Spain or France or whatever in in the next year or so, uh, as sterling weakens, if it does weaken, uh, you make more money. You would make more money, yes, um, if you believe that sterling will weaken against the euro. I mean, this is the big problem. Uh, a few of the people that I've spoken to this week, actually, uh, you know, foreign currency dealers actually think that sterling is going to be stronger than the euro in the next uh, six months by the end of the year. That's their view. Um, and so therefore, that would uh, have completely the opposite effect. So it is this kind of problem of trying to predict where economies are going to go. But not good for holidays, though, is it? I mean, we don't all own villas in Spain. Most of us, though, would like to go on holiday to Spain or elsewhere in Europe. So doesn't it kill the holiday market? I imagine it's, yes, it's, it's going to be more bad news for travellers from the UK in Europe. Is that, is, that, is that your view, Alice? If the euro strengthens. Well, even, it's still yes. it's, even at the current yeah. rate. I yeah. mean, it's, uh, well, that's know, all, yeah. I, mean, I can't I afford was, to get drunk in I Europe. <laughs> well, I was there the other day and everything was very expensive. Yes, it's extremely painful, I must say, if I was in the Alps and my Coca-Cola was uh, at £5 a bottle. That's outrageous. <laughs> no, what people should do is actually buy some of their holiday money now and buy the other half in a few months' time and just average it out because you can't guess these things. Mm. You can get these forward contracts as well, and I think people have been doing that quite a lot. So you can lock into the value of, of the exchange rate now if you think that it's, you know, if you have a view on which way it's going to go. So yeah. play, the, play the currency market so you can afford a cappuccino. Thanks very much, uh, Alice. And uh, for more on the uh, sterling euro exchange rate, you can read Alice's article in FT Money with this weekend's FT. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can find weekday news updates, including all of these stories, on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can 
read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Tanya, Steve, Alice and Justin Urquhart-Stewart of Seven Investment Management. Goodbye. Goodbye. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.